we brought you damn good beer, and now we are delivering to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Um, Hassle Cattle Company is actually a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all across the United States. They ship straight to your door, and they also even shipped a meat order to Peru. They shipped 15,000 pounds of meat to Peru. Uh, which is, I don't know, in my opinion, a very cool thing to do. I feel like the Peruvians deserve Wagyu beef. Um, any, they call their beef the blue... <laughs> yeah, any man, woman, and child deserves Wagyu beef. Let us be clear. No matter where you are. No matter where you are. Mm-hmm. And, and Hassle mm-hmm. Cattle Company makes it easy because that is blue-collar Wagyu. That means that it's the most affordable Wagyu beef that you can find, but it's still a really good product. Uh, they, they have the Wagyu smoked sausage, the New York strip, the beef bacon, Wagyu frank without any fillers, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Uh, their hamburger, one Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Uh, so many awesome products. And again, they take their registered bulls, they breed them with Angus cows. It creates a perfect product that's grown with zero antibiotics, zero hormones. So head to hasslecattlecompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L cattlecompany.com and use the promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off any orders over $200 and you receive free shipping. Check them out. We promise you will not be disappointed. Pod, full effect Saturday special here with a smaller crew than usual. Jake getting some uh, much deserved break here, and because of that, because we're really down to the nitty gritty position groups, and we've had so many pro days forcing us to go back to the tape, reevaluate guys, and what have you. We are saving the position previews, really gonna, you know, now it's April, so we're really gonna dig into that. The rest of the month, expect two pods a, a week from here on out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my my March Madness boys are here with me. Hankster rock, rocking the Grizz gear because it's FCS an FCS Saturday, as it is this spring, though it's summer because baseball's back. And mm-hmm. then, the man who can throw and is more handsome than Philip Deal, but basically his doppelganger when he rocks the glasses and the Rockies hat. <laughs> Justin Michaels here with me. Um, Justin, before we get into the serious draft stuff, that promo of Gonzaga to win by double digits, that's good, right? I should jump Oh, in like bet the mortgage on it, guys. Okay, okay, you, that's what I thought. Yeah. That's, I'm, that's I'm hoping such to lose a good money. value. I, I would love to see UCLA make it a game or even pull it out. Yes. It's not going to happen, though. Okay, so you're, as a Pac-12 guy, you're emotionally hedging and taking Gonzaga by double digits. Yep, and then once Gonzaga gets up by double digits, I'm going to take that UCLA money line and just put half a unit on it so I'll still come up ahead. But I I just have to, you know, I have to bet with my heart a little bit. It's who I am. Legends in their prime right here. So we've got, after the emergency pod from last week, we've got a ton of, of dust settling, clarifying, you know, uh, it's almost like a game show at this point because we're mm-hmm. in full-blown lying season. What do you believe? What don't you believe? Lots to unpack with that. Obviously, tons more pro days to get into. And then 
We're going to close out the third segment, have a little fun, look at some of these updated new draft props on DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, giving us a little more clarity. Boys, it's April 3rd. The draft is around the corner. I am so hyped to talk to you guys because, again, as you know, it feeds my soul to have fresh draft content, Mm -hmm. and that's what we have, and I've been waiting all week to talk to you guys about Mac Jones seemingly being the leader in the clubhouse to go third overall to the San Francisco 49ers reports from Daniel Jeremiah suggestions by Peter King guys like Chris Sims who are incredibly close to Kyle Shanahan all explaining why this makes sense our guy Justin Michael has been the highest on Mac about just about anyone and even you're caught off guard a little bit by this, Justin. It's just surprising given that they traded up because I don't think they had to if they wanted to just sit and land him. I mean, it's kind of the Mitch Trubisky situation for me. It's like you traded the farm to go up and, and do that when I don't really think you necessarily had to make that move. Yep. Hey, man, Shanahan's, they love those quarterbacks that can – you know, roll Mm -hmm. out smart, make the right decision, strong arm. Like he totally fits the mold. I just, man, at three, that's going to be really interesting. It's putting him in a position where he's going to get compared to, you know, Justin Fields and Trey Lance for the rest of his career, because if he doesn't pan out, he's always going to be that guy. It's the the Patrick Mahomes situation, the Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson situation. I can't believe we took this guy over him as a Mac Jones supporter that worries me a little bit. I don't, you know, love seeing him go into that situation right away. He's going to be expected to start. I think, I mean, if you draft him at three, I mean, you got to play him over Jimmy G don't you? Right. And is he, I think he should be better than Jimmy G right. Compared like from what we've seen from Jimmy G, what we've seen from Mac Jones, like, like it's been, I, I, it sounds crazy. I know, but remember during the senior bowl, like I kind of thought the same thing about the Panthers with Teddy Bridgewater, like, I think there's a real chance that Mac Jones is just a straight up upgrade. And I guess there's still going to be the learning curve of like, here's how things run. You got to learn the terminology. And so maybe things are like bottled up for the first half of the season, but by the second half of the season, I, you got to see what happens. And, and there's a chance that Mac Jones just isn't an NFL quarterback for the reasons that we've all been hearing about or talking about for a while, but you could totally see him just being a straight upgrade. I think. I mean, I think the floor is one of his higher selling points. And Mm -hmm. so I I do think there's some safety and he is an NFL backup quarterback. Worst case, case. like he should be employed by the National Football League for I would venture 12 years, you know, because like there's 64 spots and usually he he should be one of the 64 in the world to qualify for that. I want to go back to one of the bad QBs. (laughs) Right. I want to, yeah. I mean, especially in Denver, I want to go back to what Justin said though, to kind of introduce the Shanahan quarterback rollout and arm strength. And yet Mac Jones is the favorite in Kyle Shanahan's heart rather than Trey Lance and Justin Fields when you're looking for rollout and arm strength, uh, puzzling, puzzling, but you know, uh, guys, we have the advantage of having grown up on the Shanahan offense. I mean, mm-hmm. three, three Lombardi trophies here in the mile high city, all three, won under that Shanahan West coast offense. So we know it intimately. We grew up on it. Um, 
And so it's really interesting because, and what I go back to is a couple things. First, it's that Sarkeesian clinic where you see Mac Jones running the exact same concept Matt Ryan is running. And yeah, that's Sark's offense that came after Kyle Shanahan. But you got to remember what Kyle Shanahan was able to do with Matt Ryan. In those couple seasons where they were working with each other, those were two of the 15 most prolific offenses in NFL history. And I think someone like Kyle Shanahan thinks back to those times, thinks about what it would be like if he had someone like Matt Ryan or like a Kirk Cousins under his control for over a decade with the defense they've been able to build in San Francisco with the matchup based offense they've got. And he thinks, look, I, I can get someone who can prioritize, figure out the matchups pre-snap, but it's also a weird call because, you know, the guys who've really succeeded in that offense have a little more juice athletically. Um, and you can sneaky move a little bit. I want to throw that out there. Like Mac Jones, he's he not, and this isn't me trying to hype him up and be like, no, he can actually run. You don't want Mac Jones running. Mm-hmm. Like that's not what you want as the offensive coordinator, but he can move. He can extend the play. He can get out of the pocket. And to me, you know, obviously Trey Lance has the superior, you know, rollout athleticism ability, yes. definitely a stronger arm. Um, even though Mac does throw a really nice deep ball. I think if we're just talking pure for, you know, pound for pound arm strength, I think yeah. Trey Lance probably has the strongest arm in this draft class. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I think it just, well, it's up there. Yeah, there's a, it's debatable. Yeah. Um, but that says a lot that it's debatable. Though. I think it's just decision-making is what it comes down to. And to me, like you said, you look at what he did with Matt Ryan and he's thinking, I could do that. I got George Kittle. I got a ton of speed at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. If I got a guy that can just distribute the football, execute the offense and not put us in a position where we're playing from behind, we're going to be pretty dang competitive. It's a, it's a bold one. It's, I think it's, it's betting on right now versus if you're taking somebody like Trey Lance, you're thinking, you know, we've got a 10 to 12 year window here to kind of figure this out. Whereas with Mac Jones, I think it's more as we're bringing him in and we expect if we add him, we can go to a Super Bowl in the next couple of years. It's, you know, a project pick versus, you know, a guy where he probably isn't going to reach that same ceiling, but he's going to be a pretty good NFL quarterback, I think. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up the arm strength, the play action. The arm strength is important. You want to take the deep shots and all that, but the Mm -hmm. West Coast offense in like the simplest form, and it's, I don't know, developed a lot since then and changed a lot. But the idea is to spread everything horizontally, make quick decisions. And, you know, if it's a zone defense, odds are, unless it's like a cover two, they're going to have not enough defenders at the first level. And you're just going to be able to find somebody open and just take those little chunks, take those little chunks. There's the deep shots that take uh, that keep things open. But I do think that in its simplest form, Mac Jones should be a decent fit for West Coast offense. Yes. And then when you look through the the stats, he actually had a 147 passer rating on play action plays, which I mean, isn't a huge step up because it was like a 136 on non-play action plays. Turns out he has had a massive passer rating, but mm-hmm. you know, it is something that he has done before and he was successful doing in college, which is, well, and that's the thing for Mac going to the Niners best case scenario. Oh I mean, yeah. Forget it. There's nothing better, but look, it's, it's weird because there's a little bit of, I understand the fit, 
but is this the hubris of one of the smarter offensive minds in the sport not realizing that just across you know south south of him in the same division the rams just got rid of jared goff because sean McVay realized jared goff ain't much of an upgrade over a street free agent and like this offense has had success with the matt Schaubs of the world how much of an upgrade is mac jones over a matt shop you know and is it worth trading up to three to get Mac Jones because fine line between Matt Schaub and being able to win division titles, win double digit seasons, but not go anywhere when push comes to shove in the playoffs or Matt Ryan. So it's really interesting. It comes back to another thing I've been saying for a minute, another quarterback who's succeeding in a Shanahan style offense is Baker Mayfield. I've compared Mac Jones to Baker Mayfield in a lot of ways. And with a very important caveat, Baker Mayfield, much more twitched up, agile athlete because he has to be because he's shorter. He can't see over the line. And in Stefanski's offense, he's finally having success because everything is outside the pocket. Mm-hmm. And now you're overcoming that. Mac Jones, you don't have that limitation. You don't have to tailor your offense to make everything outside the pocket, but he can certainly succeed in that. You know, athletically, I, I want it to be out of the pocket no, exactly. as much as with Baker, but athletically, I think he actually ran a better 40. Not that that's going to mean a ton, but do we I mean, trust, do we trust the 40 times? The big question uh, mark with yeah. all of these guys, like a lot of suspicious four fours and, and low four threes coming out of this, these times. That's all I'm saying. Is Mac Jones really faster than Patrick Mahomes? You know, the, the questions you have to ask Patrick yourself. Mahomes isn't fast though. <laughs> it is true. Right. It is, and that's what makes it a fun right. conversation, but you know, right. it does put things it, in perspective. If Patrick Mahomes isn't fast, does speed even matter or is it elusiveness, <laughs> navigating the pocket, throwing off the structure, angles. all that. Right. And Mac Jones, to his credit, I think moves very well in the pocket, very nice feel within the pocket, it, always keeping his eyes downfield. And I think that's the other thing. I do think a guy like Shanahan is worried about supreme athletes like Trey Lance and Justin Fields and kind of having to work that when everything breaks down, I've got my legs and I can run out of it, out of him. He would rather that quick thinker who knows I've got two mismatches here. If mismatch A ain't there, go to mismatch B and just get us on time and get this thing going. Um, So it's interesting. And Hank, Go actually go ahead because there's there are other ramifications to all this that we can get into with yeah. a couple mocks that were published this week, um, and like Peter King's column and some of the other insights you're hearing from around the league. But uh, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, uh, my kind of final thoughts here. You know, Mac Jones. Sure, you can have the question: Is he just Jared Goff? Somebody who is he? Are there thirty more of him? out there because there there may be the the arm strength you know I really like the way he's able to like hold guys up inside like the windows and throw with anticipation and and throw guys open even I think that those are all very important skills and I think that that can make up for a lack of just pure throwing strength but you know there are those concerns that that he could just you know be another guy back there at the same time though if that's your concern for not drafting him you have to remember Jimmy Garoppolo to me He's not winning you a Super Bowl. 
And so you've got to do something, whether it's this year, whether it's next year, that's a position that the 49ers need to figure out. And if you look through Kyle Shanahan's past, when was the last time he went and got a quarterback? Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo. And you have to think, what was what was he excited about with Jimmy Garoppolo coming out of New England? Obviously, there's some on-field production you like, but on top of that, you know, somebody who comes from uh, a mentally intensive system, somebody who's run a complicated offense, somebody yeah. who wasn't a perfect quarterback, obviously not as mobile as you'd like. There are some sacrifices in mm-hmm. those areas. And who knows, maybe Kyle Shanahan has lived through Jimmy Garoppolo and says, eh, I'm I'm kind of over it. I need I need Justin Fields, somebody who can run, somebody like that. But if he says, you know, things are going all right, we just need somebody a little bit better than Garoppolo who can kind of do the same thing, somebody who's on the same wavelength as me, somebody who's already been on the same wavelength as Steve Sarkeesian, I think that it's pretty easy to talk yourself into Mac Jones and the 49ers if if you want to. A lot of Jared yep. Goff shots on this podcast. What Jared yeah. Goff do to us? I mean, Haskins no, Goff. <laughs> like that's the that's the comp to me has always been Haskins Goff. You know, hmm. um, not to get into like yeah. Bryce Petty or and that's why I've said Baker Mayfield because you know it, similar circumstances, similar ways in which they impress you on NFL standards, similar concerns as far as limitations. I think, um, but man, it's. Yeah, you wonder, is the ceiling that of a top three pick? That's a big question. But again, but, but national, that was my question with Baker as well. Mm-hmm. So you know. National champion. And again, just the way that yes. the throws that he makes where you say, okay, this receiver is going to be covered. But because he like throws it behind him, keeps him in the hole, just puts the ball where it needs to be. Everybody talks about ball placement in terms of like, out in front just a little bit, uh, chest high, somewhere where they can catch it and keep running. But but holding them back as they're running, the more I watch Mac Jones, the more impressed I am with that sort of stuff, the zone manipulation, I guess. Here's what's never made any sense to me. And I know that there are some, some doubts about Tua's future moving forward now. But before the injury, pre-injury Tua, ever, there were very little doubts from, you know, like, NFL draft Twitter from the people previewing it. This guy is going to be a stud. Yeah. The NFL every receiver, world. every receiver that's played with both of these quarterbacks, Tua and Mac Jones publicly has been like Max, the better quarterback, every single one of them, yeah. every single one of them. Yeah. You know, who else I, uh, confirms that the actual tape, Justin? Yeah. I mean, like, just watch it and see it. Like yes. Tua's great. And I love Tua. what happened mm-hmm. broke my heart. Absolutely. Mac, I mean, put he's them done side everything. by side in their last 13 games at Alabama. I'm sorry, Mac Jones is the cleaner, better passer. And Tua That's had the injury the concerns and was still picked yes. number six overall. Yes. And I'm not, I've been saying stuff like this. That this isn't like yesterday, you know, mm-hmm. and we've been talking about this stuff for a couple months. Um, That's the I other took thing. Heat for saying Mac could go to Denver at nine. People were like, there's no way Mac Jones is going to go in the top 10. That. And I was like, mm-hmm. and I've, I've admitted that I think top five is a little bit of a stretch even right now with how much I support him. Yeah. But I was like, no, he's going to rise after the season. He had the yeah. performance he had in the sec championship game, the performance he had in the title games. You knew he was going to do well at pro day. Bama guys always do. They're always prepared. Yeah. I just, yeah. it, it's not, it's not shocking to see the rise. It's going to be, really interesting when somebody falls that we didn't see, you know, a Penny Sewell, a Justin Fields, when somebody drops to nine and we'll get into that obviously Mm -hmm. here in a sec with the Broncos and how that could impact them. If Mac Jones does in fact go number three, 
but the rise is not that shocking. That's all I'm saying. This isn't like a, mm-hmm. a Daniel Jones going number two overall situation where everyone's like, what in the fuck just happened? Yep. It's not that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's crazy just because you brought that up. It makes me think back to like when I would say things like, you know, if Mac Jones is on the board at 41, you should probably take him. And then the general <laughs> reaction to that being so negative, but that's just how the draft process works is the quarterbacks wind up being way more important than anybody else at the end of the day. I mean, well, Mon's going to go in the second round guys. Like, and it's the Kyle Trask is probably going to go in the second round. Yep. Mm-hmm. Interest from the saints already. And it's, it's the difference between public perception and how these coaches actually see this. stuff. Yeah. That's you know, very and true. Mac Jones is, you know, again, you want to talk ceiling and floor. I've been a firm believer that as far as ceiling goes, arm strength is absolutely 100% something that can be improved as you reach physical maturity. Look nowhere further than Tom Brady or Drew Brees. Look at the first season Brady wins a Super Bowl in New England. Look at Drew Brees when he was in San Diego and they let him go. It's night and day, folks. There's a um, so, reason San Diego was comfortable with letting Breeze walk and drafting Philip Rivers while they had him. Um, like, so, but you know, it's gonna be interesting. And you talk and, about the arm strength at the same time, the you know, pro football focus, the strengths and weaknesses abound at PFF, but they have like their passing zones cut into 12 different areas. The two best for Mac Jones are deep left passing, deep right passing. Now, obviously, he had great downfield weapons, and that's going to help. But he was also very successful downfield, and that that is just a fact. You can have doubts about whether it translates, but to this point, he's been able to do that. Yeah, I mean, we've been praising his deep ball accuracy since September. You know, like that. If there was one one check of a box on Mac Jones' scouting report, it's the deep ball accuracy, absolutely. And then, yeah. you know, he's also, he's, he's part of this new breed of quarterback prospects with such clean tape. It's just insane. You know, it's almost Drew, too clean though. Cause it's like, what exactly, are we missing? Here? Exactly, That's what everybody's right. looking for is I know he's not the best athlete. Well, I know he's not necessarily the best thrower of the football out of these, you know, five guys. I would think you would say Wilson's better. Lance is better. Even Trevor Lawrence probably has a better arm why is it working then though yeah you know what i mean like yes obviously he has great talent around him and that gets used against him as well you know it's it's the great receivers it's the great offensive line yeah it helps when you're you got a great pocket and elite talent on the outside yeah you still got to place that ball where it needs to be though and he did that every single time yeah and if we're saying he played better than Tua, we're saying he's the best performing quarterback under sabin which is what almost a 15 year sample size at this point. And uh, guess what? All those other quarterbacks had the same extraordinary circumstances. Um, (laughs) Bama didn't just produce great wide receivers yesterday. Uh, Go look up Julio Jones. If you're a football fan, you'll enjoy his work. (laughs) That's pretty Um, decent. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. If you're into that sort of thing, we we went way too long. So we're going to kick back the mock talk to the next segment. Um, but I love that. Um, we're just going to keep going with this. It's just one of those patented Henry Chisholm shout out times right now. So we're going to take a quick break with that and we'll be right back. Yep. And, uh, the first person we're going to, uh, shout out is all of us at DMVR because we all do really, really 
really, really great work. And so you guys should become members so that you get access to that work. Uh, If you go to thedmvr.com, you can read all of the written content about, you know, I write about the buffs. Uh, uh, We've got Justin doing the Rams stuff. We got all the Broncos stuff. Um, And then a whole bunch of other stuff too. A whole bunch of content. Definitely check that out. Um, And if you become a member, you get access to our members only Discord. You get a big beer for the size of a small beer. You get weekly member deals from the DMVR locker. Um, Just a whole bunch of really cool stuff. Plus, right now, uh, we have a fun new perk for the next couple hundred members. Uh, If you sign up to become an annual DMVR member, not only do you receive a free shirt of your choice from the DMVR locker, but you'll also get a Recover Holistic Stick from Holistic Wellness. What's that, you ask? Well, Holistic Wellness is all about the CBD. The stick we send will pack 10 milligrams of CBD, and this one's focused on recovery. All you do is pop the top of the stick, pour it in a drink, stir, consume. They're amazing and so easy to use. There's no mess. Um, you can check out the reviews for yourself at holisticwellness.com. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K wellness.com. Plus, if uh, you're not becoming a member, you're already a member, whatever, uh, use the code DNVR30 at holisticwellness.com, and you can get 30% off uh, it's a great deal. And again, if you become a member, free DMVR shirt, free recovery stick from Holistic Wellness, um, and uh, you'll get a coupon from there as well. It's a great deal. Make sure you check that out. Um, and again, DMVR30, if you want to check out holisticwellness.com and get 30% off. Word up. Also, 68 teams started the t- tournament, but only the best have survived. Uh, that's actually not true because Oregon had to play USC. I guess USC wound up losing anyway. So that's a, I can't even make that argument. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. You can bet $1 on any of the remaining tournament games. And if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Uh, you pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100. And again, all it takes is a $1 bet and the team you choose winning their next game. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. And if college basketball isn't for you, uh, which it should be, and take Gonzaga with that bet because Gonzaga will win. Even if you don't get your in, bet, your grandma's bet, if your yes. grandpa's got a phone, deposit it on his account, your significant other, your children, do what you got to do, make it's it true. rain, and make sure you're using that code DNVR when you sign up every single time. Yes. Damn straight. Yes, and certainly like crowdsource that. Like, like get your grandma to pitch in, get your grandpa to pitch in, uncles, aunts, just get a huge bet on Gonzaga because they are winning. They are yeah, by right. far the best team. Be irresponsible for you to not put your grandmother's money at stake. Um, exactly. It's Also, though, it, she oh, likes man. free money, grandma, you know, so grandma's love free money. money. Pro tip though, make sure it's grandma's money. You don't want to mess up your account by trying to help grandma put your card, but mm-hmm. then it's associated with your name. Mm-hmm. So they have to block your account because they think you're opening Yikes. up too. You know, it, it is legal gambling, folks. So make it legal. Do it the right way. Do it Use the right way. Grandma's money on grandma's account, your money on your account, your wife's money on her account. And it's all going to work so smoothly. You're going to make free money on Gonzaga. Wow. What a great wow. weekend for you guys. For Congrats. everybody in your family, you can make them money. Um, oh my gosh. 
Also, you can bet on uh, hockey, golf, or that kind of stuff if you're a nerd who doesn't like college basketball. Uh, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR when you sign up. Again, you get to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. Gonzaga's a 14-point favorite. That's code DMVR to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 4700. All right. Uh, one more. When it comes to car and home insurance, don't we deserve better? I know Absolutely. I do. Uh, yes, Dude. you do too, Justin. And Dre oh, does as well. Uh, lots of members and staff at DMVR have put their policy to the test and turned to Gabby. When they did, Gabby saved them hundreds of dollars and nobody was surprised because Gabby literally stands for get a better insurance, G-A-B-I. Um, the way that works is you send them your policy over the internet, not like physically who has to do that. (laughs) Just, just me with my ID (laughs) to the state of Montana because it snapped in half. Yeah. Get your trained pigeon and fly it over to you. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so much. How did those go away? How is that still not a thing? Like that's just so much fun that and like smoke signals what are we like we'd figured this all out hundreds of years ago and we're we're dealing with this nonsense like oh i know i wait i waited like a month to go get my tax form from the office brandon should have put that thing on a pigeon and just flown it across town it would have been so much easier for everybody i bet the pigeon enjoys it too um Thank God for Gabby, though. Henry. Thank God for Gabby, though. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what's upgrading our lives. At this exactly. Point. Because uh, they take your insurance over the internet, and then uh, they get you quotes for that policy, the exact same policy from 40 different insurance providers, like progressive nationwide travelers. Um, and then they just show you the rates, and you get the exact same insurance for a lot less money. It's a great, great tool. I'm surprised it took so long for this to become a thing. And Gabby customers save $961 per year on average, and they never sell your info. So no annoying spam or robocalls. Put your policy to the test like we did. Get a better insurance with Gabby. It's totally free to check out. There's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash DNVR. Again, G-A-B-I.com slash DNVR. And uh, see if you can save yourself some money. Let's go. Let's that go. was great. That's one of those reads I would like like if you could frame audio that is an audio i would frame right there mocks is that what an nft is can we Mm -hmm. nft that justin justin or other young listeners will have to clarify Ah. that for me i do not know what nfts i wonder if we can nft the things we do here I need you back on track. Henry. So, okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but then the notes ask Brandon off, on Monday. Exactly. We got off the rails enough with the reads. <laughs> I, I need you back in my corner, buddy. Football. Okay. So Peter King in his column explaining all the Mac Jones stuff and the trades and all that um, kind of put together a quick top eight mock. And it's very interestingly lines up with this McShay mock in a lot of ways. So, they both have Lawrence Wilson Jones. One, two, three. Peter King, much like the three of us, then has Atlanta going quarterback at four with Lance McShay, much like Jake on last week's episode, has Atlanta going Kyle Pitts. Um, interesting quote from Peter King on it. Um, oh, yeah, that, oh, where was that on Lance to Atlanta? Yeah, that 
right. Mac Jones or Lance to San Francisco at three. I keep hearing Atlanta's leaning quarterback with logic, having Lance sitting behind Matt Ryan for two years. That makes sense. The whole have, have someone to develop. It's why San Francisco also made sense. And why I, I was thinking Lance last week to San Francisco at three. Um, yeah. Can we pause real quick? Yes. Here's a question. I really, yeah. really love the idea of taking a quarterback to develop, especially somebody like Trey Lance, who I think certainly needs certainly needs half a season, and my opinion will need at least a full season. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the Packers with Jordan Love on like today are happy about that decision last year to use whatever it was, like somewhere 22 to 26, that pick on a quarterback who, you know, you still have Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> no, I know. And um, A.J. Dillon looking like a more disastrous pick because that was supposed to be the succession plan for Aaron Jones. Well, they just yeah. ended up re-signing Aaron Jones. Who's yeah, they did let Jamal Williams office. go, though. And so, who, I know who, about, who knows? Who like knows? You can but literally managed. find a street free agent to replace Jamal Williams. Um, yeah. No, like, that's not disrespectful to Jamal Williams or A.J. Dillon. Mm-hmm. It's the respect I have for borderline NFL running backs, guys like CJ Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> give them a call. They can they can come and give you some real help. Yeah. CJ um, Anderson would be like the second best running back on I feel like half of the teams in the league, maybe. I mean, at least CJ like two, three years ago when he was like prime and ready that is true. Um, for it. But you know, there are guys who fit that bill right now. Yeah. Maybe it's Jamal Williams. Yeah. Um yeah, man, it, it looks terrible. It looks terrible. Because Jordan Love in retrospect. But now, if you're comparing Jordan Love to Trey Lance, I think that's saying something for a guy you were able to get in the 20s versus someone who's going to go top 10 next year. Like True. This year, you, know. And, you know, I was talking to my roommate who's a Packers fan, and that actually got us into that conversation. And I have this feeling about this quarterback class. You know, I, I've seen it be, been called like one of the great quarterback classes and that sort of thing. And certainly you have Trevor Lawrence, who's a great prospect. You have some depth behind him, but it does feel like all of these guys kind of scare me. Like, like it, because yeah. of COVID for whatever reason, it all mm-hmm. impacted them in some way. And for that reason, I kind of just want to stay away from drafting a quarterback this year um, mm. because of the, it feels like you're just getting a lottery ticket. Well, to me, that's the thing about this year is you're getting lottery tickets in every position because there's just, it's so tough with the opt-outs and all the different circumstances we dealt with this year. So if I'm going to do that, I'd kind of rather take a lottery ticket on the most important position in the sport. Because my benefits Mm -hmm. when that hits are much greater than any other position. Um, True. So yeah, McShay pits at four, Peter King, quarterbacks one two three four both now have jamar chase at five reuniting with burrow which is funny because cincinnati was the team kind of tanking to get sewell this whole time we're going to get into sewell's pro day numbers which were terrific his measurements however not great um so similar to rashawn slater and a lot of the guys in this offensive tackle class you're having to weigh athleticism can that can make up for lack of length versus the actual lack of length. Um, and that's, what's pushing Sewell out of the top five in some projections. Now um, then I'm just going to stick instead of doing parallel, we'll just stick to the final eight through um, 
through Peter King first, and then we'll get into McShay where we have the full 30, the full two rounds, in fact. Um, Peter King then says he'd guess Miami at six would be thrilled with one of three weapons, Pitts, Jalen Waddle, or Devontae Smith. In this scenario, Pitts is still available. Um, you could see him being off the board. That explains the trade a lot more. That would be a sneaky situation for Philly to be in. Um, then he, he mentions Detroit could go tackle or weapon at seven. Interesting quarterbacks not being mentioned there. Of course, they did just trade for Jared Goff, but that's another team, especially with Fields or maybe even Lance still being available um, would have to be intrigued. And then at eight, He'd say, yeah, it, it's kind of a 50-50 proposition for does Fields go to Carolina. Mm -hmm. So I find that pretty interesting. That's not too far off what Armok had, right? No, not all not like, all that far at all. I mean, the, the big thing, though, the Bengals at five, not taking yeah. Penny Sewell. Exactly. And we can dig more into this later, but to me, like, the the big story in the draft world is Mac Jones he's a top three pick now and that is like the headline for this week or two weeks or whatever in Broncos world though Penny Sewell could totally drop to nine and I'm starting to think that that's like a 20 to 25 percent chance as of today whereas a month ago I would have said five percent chance and then it just kind of keeps growing more more positive signs here yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's going to segue right into the McShay mock where uh, we, we leave it at six. He already had Pitts and Jamar Chase off the board. So he has the Dolphins going Devontae Smith. He has the Panthers trading up to seven with Detroit to get Trey Lance. That's a spot we've all got circled after Atlanta as a potential open place to go get a quarterback. And then you know, in that one pick swap. Now Detroit's at eight. They pick up Jalen Waddle. I think that's another place to be looking at Penny Sewell, potentially Micah Parsons, what have you. And then the Broncos in this scenario fall so well with Fields, Sewell, Slater, the top cornerbacks, the top edge rushers. Everyone is still available. In this scenario, McShay has them going Patrick Sertain. Um he has fields drop into 11 where the Patriots uh, trade up to get him. He has Parsons going to the Eagles at 12 and Penny Sewell in the worst case scenario, dropping to 13 to the chargers reuniting with Justin Herbert. That would be devastating. Um, yeah. Like that would Ugh. just be one too many blue chip talents for the chargers. Um, and then what stood out to you, Hank, Anything you want to jump in on, um, Justin, too, about like the next two rounds of this, if anything? Um, Broncos, of course, going Joe Trian, uh, Washington's edge rusher. He actually tested phenomenally, um, at his pro day. He's an edge rusher who's really done himself. Um, some good in a packed class. So getting him at 40 would be really nice. So, yeah. Big Shea has uh, ETN as running back one over Najee mm -hmm. Harris with them going back-to-back -back picks. Yep. Harris Marshall and Elijah Moore both in the first round, which... Marshall running a 4-3-8 like everyone else at the LSU Pro Day this week. <laughs> and that's my whole thing is how do we try... <laughs> I, I've, I'm a lot higher on Terrace Marshall... Yeah 
than Jake was. I remember that was one of the big points of contention when we were talking mm-hmm. about wide receiver yep. rankings. Yep. Man, I don't think that dude runs a four three. I think he can fly, but I I just I'm I would take every single figure we get here with a grain of salt. That's all I'm saying. We'll brag about him, and I know it's like, well, how can you say that? Because it's all you have to go off of. Yeah. But be skeptical. At least be skeptical. Yep. Yeah. Um, I would say in in terms of the Broncos pick, Joe Treon, like, it's not bad. You, you could do a lot worse there. It's it's a responsible pick. You're getting an edge rusher who can fill in for Vaughn next year, and you know what? It's a, it's a, it's an important position, position of value using an early pick just makes sense. So in a lot of ways, not bad at the same yeah. time, not where I would have gone. You know, the, the next pick is Nick Bolton, who I really like, uh, just Ugh. like more of a traditional inside linebacker who does have some range. I know Dre's into <laughs> like all fun. the other guys. If you want <laughs> yeah. like coverage, just a few picks later, you've got, uh, you've got uh, Jabril no. Cox, who I think is as yes. good in coverage as just about Act today is as good in coverage as any other linebacker. It's just the other guys have tools that you're like, Ooh, what, what's going to happen with Micah Parsons? What's going to happen with JOK? And I, I would have liked that pick better as well. Um, yeah. You know, who went off right before? Oh, uh, you had uh, Asante Samuel Jr. Go the pick before. I would have loved that pick. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple picks Not later, you have Carlos Cora, Basham. Carlos Basham from uh, the uh, Wake Forest, who we really liked the senior bowl. He's sick. There's a, there were just a lot of guys I really like around 41 and Joe Treon isn't necessarily one of them, but again, it, it makes sense. It's a responsible pick. You're, you're setting yourself up. Well, you're not going to be stuck in a box next year at that position. So sure. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the high upside offensive tackles that drop after that pick, the two very intriguing inside guys in Bearmore mm-hmm. and Basham and Javon Holland, who had an insane pro day. And I've been saying since August that he strikes me as a Vic Fangio guy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. He ain't dropping out of the second round now after that pro day uh, with how weak this safety class True. is either. Um, did McShay not have? Maybe I'm missing it here. Did he not have Jace Horn going in the first two rounds? Tenth overall. Oh, tenth. Right after. Yeah, I did miss it then. Okay. Right after Patrick Sertain. So Horn oh, okay, to Dallas. Okay. Horn, one of the big, big risers in this entire process. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of corners, really. I mean, Asante Samuels did himself a lot yeah. of good. Uh, Elijah Molden, who's another like Fangio guy, who you are seeing in the top fifty in this mock. Um, this corner class doing itself a lot of good. And Stokes obviously, at Georgia ran like yes. a four three. Well, shoot, Tyson Campbell. I mean, all those guys checked off lots of boxes. Um, so yeah, I think the corner class. I mean, not to mention Patrick Sertain really mm-hmm. like, put any questions to rest. Um, actually, where did Farley go in that mock, Hank? Do you have it? Uh, Fifteen or so, I thought. Oh, mm-hmm. there he is. Uh, Cardinals eighteen. So really not much of a drop for a guy no. um, who, you know, you're, you're again gambling on upside in a major way, but you're not able to. I think where we left off as we talk about upside um, on the pro day roundup for the week, it starts in Miami where we have two edge rushers kind of going in opposite directions here. We haven't talked about Jalen Phillips or Gregory Russo on last show, right? Yeah, I don't think so, no. Um, Russo measuring in really insanely well lengthwise, but kind of slight in frame. 
And, um, you know, at just 266, you'd want to see more on the jumps where you're not seeing much explosiveness. You'd want to see more on the three cone where he's just not putting up class, uh, like edge rushing numbers. Mm-hmm. But then you see a really impressive 40 for that size. Um, and, you know, I, I put his number side by side with the Forrest Buckner and they're He's slightly better than the Forrest Buckner in all areas. Buckner, you know, a very important player for the Niners, traded for a first round, a mid, you know, mid first rounder by the Colts. So still retaining lots of value. Problem is Buckner was, you know, 25 pounds heavier. You're talking about 291 versus 266. And shoot, the frame is there. The frame Mm -hmm. is there to put weight on like 25 pounds in a frame that's almost 6'8 with and he's another 11 inch hands um, in set now in the 99th percentile, Mike R. Parsons in the hundredth percentile uh, Russo now making it a 99th <laughs> math- percentile. Our staff <laughs> mathematician, Henry loves that one. Um, losers out here with these numbers. Come on. And like, especially for the Broncos, especially in a really weak interior D line class, I think Russo is incredibly intriguing, much like Basham, but, I mean, you know, Broncos fans hearing this are going to have like PTSD from the Marcus Walker. And that's that what whole, I was like, going to say. How many times have we been through this situation in Denver where it's the guy who's yeah. just a little bit undersized, but if he puts on that 20 pounds, we're going to see it. And then he puts on the 20 pounds and he loses that quick step, the thing that made him successful in the first place. And he just kind of like falls into the mix. And that's that's what worries me a little bit. I like everything you brought up with the frame. I think there's yep. potential there. There's a lot of potential there. Absolutely. But that's the thing with this defensive tackle class, which we highlighted when we talked about it. There's just not much there. It's a lot of hoping on upside. And yeah, if, if you're a, in a position like Denver, I'd think I'd rather add somebody that, you know, can kind of bring something more immediately. Or mm-hmm. in my opinion, Jalen Phillips, who I think is a little bit more of a sure bet in terms of next level success. I know their different role going to be an edge. Um, mm-hmm. He tested well, man. It ran a four, five, six, 40, Extremely decent, you know, well. short shuttle. And I don't know. I, I, I like Phillips. He's, he's really grown on me in terms of some of the guys that you guys kind of introduced me to over the, you know, from the start of the fall to now. He's mm-hmm. one of the guys that's probably jumped my board the most. Yeah, I, he almost fits that JC Horn category where he really rose up. Three cone, a bit limited, and he's going to have, you know, some questions as to what went on with UCLA injuries totally. and what have totally. you. Um, and the fact that it's a packed edge rushing group, you know, and guys like Joe Treon putting up big mm-hmm. numbers and like Osai, Ojulari, everyone's just been performing so nice. But I think there's some real value a staff favorite for us on this pod, Quincy Roche. Good, not great. Good, not great. Didn't really um, help himself. Didn't hurt himself. Well, and Brevin Jordan, really the big loser from the Miami. That was disappointing. Yep. Man, because when we were stacking that tight end class, you look at Jordan, those flashes are so superb. You, I could have seen him sneaking into the end of round one with this. Forget it. He might not make it through. He might have to be waiting till day three to hear his name called um yeah interesting you know who likes that is the free smooth or whatever the dude out of penn Friar state Firemuth. Yes. yeah he's did he didn't run he didn't he run. didn't run right 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 which mm-hmm. like come on bro but now he looks smart like, jason oa put up like a four two and you're not gonna run at penn state like <laughs> on yeah. the flubber track come on bro <laughs> um 
Four five five by Javante Williams. Good feet though. You like the three cone. You like the shuttle. Jumps okay. Um, you know, so he he checks off the boxes. He's not going to threaten Etn or Nashi with this kind of showing, but I think he keeps his he keeps his stock where it needed to be. Um, Michael Carter, similar eval. Chaz Surratt. Good running, bad jumps. You worry about that lower, lower half explosiveness, at, especially measuring in at 229. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of out on Chaz Surratt. The, the, the hype yes. is just so big. And, yeah. and it just seems like the closer we get to the draft, it's like, uh, not, not, not so sure that he has all the, the tools he needs. I well, want to buy in so bad, but he just, I keep giving him yeah, chances. And it's yeah. like the senior bowl and it's pro day. And it's, you look at the film and it's just, he's a likable guy i think there's mm -hmm. the way he sees the field obviously given his quarterback background i think that's enticing from a coaching perspective just given that he's gonna you know like you talked about with sam neuer last year he can see the field in ways that other people can't but he just he's had so many chances to like be like this is why you should take me and he mm -hmm. hasn't really lived up to any of them and, yep. and, you know, I think that McShay mock draft, he was one of the, the last picks in the second round. What does he do right now? Like, like he doesn't, he doesn't like play the run game. Well, he doesn't cover well. He just has a bunch of tools that make you think in the future he will. And he's a smart guy. And because of that, like, a, a player really good running tools. from sideline to sideline, just, not yeah. tackling anybody. <laughs> exactly. Like to me, that's somebody who you're happy to have around for sure. But what they got the they got Justin Sternod, the Broncos did in the fifth round last year. Yeah, yeah. I think Chaz Rod's closer to that than he is a second round draft pick. Totally. And he's lost a ton of ground on other defenders in that day two range, whether it's other linebackers, you know, go to Ohio State where Pete Warner, Baron Browning did really well. Zavin Collins, well. Uh Jamin Davis out of this world mm -hmm. absurd. Um, talk about risers man yeah totally we we just highlighted some of the big risers in the corner class but it's like it's like 15 deep the corners who've really popped uh we've talked about the edge rushers you know uh short of you know russo everyone else has been you know running in the fourth i guess mm -hmm. ronnie perkins was just average but the rest of the group, Hamil, Hamilcar Rashad, Treon, you know, everyone's rising, showing really well. Jason Owe had a massive day. Um, so he's just across the board. He's kind of lost. He's, he's lost ground. I think he's a, mm -hmm. he's a day three guy. And it, mm -hmm. go back to our linebacker episode. So many guys, we were saying exactly what Henry just said about Surat. What's that quality you hang your hat on that he can do today, right now? You can be like, hey, I can put him on the field because I know I can trust him in X situation. He played quarterback before. It's like, <laughs> well, that doesn't help right now. Like, <laughs> right. like that is something that will never, ever help, except that it could help like develop something that will help. And so it, there's just no real. No I mean, I think traits. there's something to understanding like what an offense is trying to do situationally, being able to read. I mean, you should mm -hmm. have that anyways. If you're playing at the D1 level defensively, you should be able to have a read for what an offense is trying to do how they're trying to set you up, all that stuff. I would think like if you were, you know, a great middle linebacker that used to play quarterback, you know, you might pick up on some things like, you know, well, he rolled out here or, you know, they're setting this up. Maybe they're trying to like set up the counter here. You're hoping, you know, you just have like a field general out there that's a Bobby Wagner type that's, you know, commanding everything. That's a phenomenal athlete. 
but I just don't see that when I watch him. Like I, I want to, I wanted to so bad. I got really high on UNC coming into this season because Jake and those running backs, but yeah, <laughs> yep. just, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And I think you, what you both said kind of nailed it on the head there. It's, it's not that there's not potential. It's not that there's not even value in drafting him. It's that there's probably 10 other guys you could draft two rounds later. that are likely going to bring you the exact same value as you would getting Surratt in the second. Exactly. Um, then we have some like otherworldly numbers, like historic outliers, like from guys like Justin Fields is 40. Um, mm-hmm. The kind of stuff that Jamar Chase did where like, look, the three cone ain't great. Short shuttle, elite, 40 out of this world. Bench, vert, broad, absurd. Kyle Pitts at his size doing things we have never seen before. Penny Sewell, at over 330 pounds doing things in the three cone and 40 we haven't really seen in NFL Pro Day Combine history. Um, so these guys who came in as top 15 dudes, some opted out, some stayed in. Yeah, like we knew what we were doing. We knew what we saw. Um, and of course, Henry, our new favorite viral trend is rolling out the pocket at a pro day, going left like a jackass, kind of fading left and letting it ride. Everyone loved it when Zach Wilson did it. Now everyone and their mother's done it, and it's not as impressive. Your take on the on the matter, Henry. I do have a little bit of a take here, <laughs> and my take is this. First of all, you're absolutely right. I don't care at all. You Let's know, go. it's if, if Zach Wilson – you know, he was the first one to do it and he rolled backwards and was like running backwards out of the pocket. And there was a difference with his, I will say he like, he was throwing it yes. to his, his right. His is the best of the bunch. <laughs> it by is. The way. Everybody like, else is like yeah. tugging it to the left and like trying to get on like the left side of the end zone and the receivers running underneath it, which is a lot easier if you just like stand up and like imagine yourself doing it. Like you can feel your weight moving a lot easier as you like whip it around yourself versus like away Mm-hmm. So there is that at the same time, does Zach Wilson ever make that throw in his NFL career? Let's say he plays 15 years. He probably, he probably throws that once or twice. Like it's not like a, a thing that matters all that often. And when, when it does happen, it's going to be with a bunch of defenders in his face. There's going to be somebody covering the receiver. There's going to be a uh, uh, shoulder pads on him. So who knows if he can even do it in that case? Like, it's, thank you. It's just, it's just also what these guys dumb. can do in their underwear <laughs> yeah. against no coverage. You want to know what a coach is going to say to Zach Wilson if he makes that throw in a game, even if he completes the pass? Don't ever do that again. Don't yeah. ever do it again. It's not practice. Guess what, guys? We watched Jamarcus Russell throw 70 yards on his knees. It was amazing. It was incredible. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's one of the most impressive athletic things I've ever seen. Yeah. He's, like, working out of Wendy's right now. And I'm not even saying that to, like, be mean. It's, oh, it's a really oh, sad Wendy's situation. wouldn't even hire that man. Well, what, what respectable Henry, Wendy's says, Henry. Hey, Jamarcus Russell, you have your, your, your stuff together enough to come work here and we can, well, expect I, you to I, show I think up. he does. I think he has done Just like a revival honest. tour and it's like, talked oh, really? about like, yeah, like Henry. how, Oh, am I a bad person stuff, now? Henry, oh, you I were, finally you got raised, myself canceled. You were raised as a nice Montanan. Let's, let's not go to the dark place you want to go to. Um, Marcus Russell. I know, I know. That's why you. It's why you, you won't be canceled. Have you heard the things where podcasts. they were like giving him film to watch 
and it was just blank tapes because they knew he wasn't watching it so they were like hey did you watch it and he's like yeah i watched it it's legendary you imagine it's legendary i'm investing that much capital in somebody in a draft pick giving him the keys to the car making him the face of the franchise and this dude doesn't even want to watch film it's pretty epic honestly Um, imagine trying to teach that guy i respect it i respect the laziness to be honest i respect the commitment to mediocrity and not giving a shit because you want to know what he already got paid yeah mm-hmm. it was a different era we were paying the first overall pick like one of the highest paid guys in the league without showing anything to start yeah. with and uh to be honest though like marcus suffered from it there are like big problems with that but right oh, yeah. now like the formula is you have to have a quarterback on his rookie contract or tom brady to win a super bowl Yep. Which, which is kind of crazy and would not be the case if we went back to the old way, which would cause a whole bunch of other problems, but I don't know. Yeah, you can change that once the Broncos are good again because it does not benefit bad teams. True. Um, shout out to the Detroit Lions. Okay, let's... Uh, I think we mentioned a lot of the guys. Tevin Jenkins, the right tackle from Oklahoma State, while Tylen Wallace took care of business um decently enough you would have liked a little better on the jumps i mean significantly better on the jumps and a little better on the agility but like he checks off the boxes we knew he wasn't an athletic freak um he does well enough i'd say the same about chubba Tevin jenkins another of these tackles measuring in a bit on the short side at 33 and a half inch um arms so it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see if the Broncos attack that right tackle position in this draft and if they opt for length and development. So, you know, the Northern Iowa kid, Leatherwood fits, um, Cosme certainly fits. Or are you trying to go the other way? You know, a little more nasty, but they're going to, you know, it's like a UFC fighter who's more, he wants to get within range and and really like unleash and box. Um, and that can be tough. That, that, you got to be physical. Rashad Bateman really had a, an outstanding performance. Um, you know, and we talked about some of those outliers. UCF, interesting. Aaron Robinson really took care of business. I love that kid. Kelvin Johnson over an, another cornerback at Kentucky who was otherworldly. Um, Richie Grant, good enough. Um, he's That's what of, I was going to say about Richie yeah. Grant. I was, I was hoping he'd test a little bit better. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter now that Denver's not in a position where they're going to be looking for safety early anyways, but mm-hmm. good, not great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, someone who was really good on the safety group on top of Javon Holland was James Wiggins out of Cincinnati. That Cincy defense was nasty. Wiggins, definitely a big part of that on the back end. Do not sleep on the kid. He ran a 440, bench, bench 22 reps, 38-inch vertical. Like He checked off all the boxes at 209 pounds. Really, really impressive um, guy. Really well coached as well. Um and yeah, do not sleep on Landon Young, who who won some awards as a offensive lineman of the week in the SEC. Started at Kentucky for a couple years. Um, he checked off all the boxes. Really, really nice job testing four nine one forty at three hundred and ten pounds on top of a nice vert, nice broad, um, and really good bench reps while measuring in at thirty three inches and three and a quarter arm length so much better than a lot of these other guys um 
I think we've mostly hit on everyone, but if there's anyone I'm forgetting, fellas, you let me know. You hit uh, everybody I had. Do we have another break, Hank? We do still have another break. We okay. can do that real quick. Yeah, let's do that real quick, and then we'll get into some fun, updated draft props to kind of gauge where things stand right now with the class after doing the mocks and what have you. Hey, Dre, did you know that one man every hour, every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer? Holy shit. No, I did not. Well, now you do. Um, and at Manscaped, they save balls. This means not only designing the right tools for the job, but raising awareness for the ball-busting disease, which is the most common Whoa. form of cancer among oh, men no. aged 15 to 35. Yes, you heard that correctly. 15 to 35. As part of Manscaped's brand mission, their partnership with the Testicular Cancer Society aims to educate and entertain while spreading a very important message about early detection and self-screening to protect yourself against men's health issues and cancer risk. Uh, first and foremost, get your balls checked. Uh, next, grab a Lawnmower 3.0 and use the code DMVR to save 20%, plus get free shipping and help the proceeds go toward an amazing cause um buy your performance packages and crop mops today to contribute to the we save balls initiative quick note on the crop mops uh those are ball wipes i actually uh took mine for a spin for the first time this weekend or i guess yes. i don't even think in weekends anymore because football no. schedule is just totally different and with the yeah. nca tournament like my weekend has been like wednesdays and fridays um yes. but well uh, my weekend on wednesday i uh uh, used one and it worked spectacularly. Um, every purchase made in the month of March goes toward con contributions made to the Testicular Cancer Society. Use the code DMVR to save 20% off that purchase and get yourself free shipping. So that's cool stuff. Let's go. Dope. Um, also cool stuff is being able to bet on the draft when you cover this stuff year round. Now we've talked about there have been props for first quarterback, running back, wide receiver, offensive lineman taken. That hasn't changed much. In fact, Trevor Lawrence has only become a more sure favorite to be the first quarterback taken. Interesting because we taught you mentioned this on Justin on the McShay mock, him having ETN one spot ahead of Najee. Najee remains the favorite at minus 125. ETN, the dog, at plus 150 with Javante plus 400 and then everyone else in the plus three thousands or more wide receiver. Jamar chase has only tightened his lead at minus 400 Waddle still good value at plus 500 that's moved from plus 700, but doesn't seem like Waddle is going to be able to close that gap since he wasn't able to run the 40 Sewell remains a minus 625 favorite. The Rashawn Slater at plus 350, kind of intriguing. Darisaw, the second offensive lineman, um, or the third shortest odds at plus 2,000 there. And now we've added first non-QB selected. Pitts plus 125. That would jive with the McShay mock. Jamar Chase plus 200, however, would jive with the Peter King mock. That's nice value. Penesul remains at plus 200. Then everyone else in the plus of thousands. Is Jamar Chase, Chase Horn at plus 10,000 is kind of intriguing, just in terms of like if, if we're talking about a guy that's really, really Dude. skyrocketed. 
Yep. And could like, you know, potentially, you know, go at like five or six. It's not yeah. out of this world to think he could be, especially with that value. I, I do think, you know, Pitts or Jamar Chase or Devontae or are more likely. But if we're talking about you want to just throw a couple of bucks on there and hope you hit it. Yeah. I mean, it's true. And I think Chase at plus 200 is really good value. Great. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to take that. It does feel really Sewell's good. It's not bad either. Um, and then we get first round totals. And this is where DraftKings has found a way to take what I most, most know, the, the most knowledge I possess in the world is on the NFL draft. And they found a way to trick me because since the inception of my rankings, I have always, always, because this was in the midst of the Kyle Shanahan transitioning to Josh McDaniels. The Broncos had a new DC every single year in that period. So when you rank the defensive positions, you got to be uh, system fluid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So instead of defensive ends, outside linebackers, inside linebackers, defensive tackles, it's always been inside defensive linemen, edge rushers, because it, whether it's a 3-4 or a 4-3, you're either hand in the ground or standing up, but you're on the edge regardless. Off-ball linebacker. But here they have linebackers taken in the first round over four and a half is plus 175 under is four and a half. But this gets tricky because you got to count for those edge rushers, not even like a Micah Parsons, but like an Ojulari Mm -hmm. who are going to be drafted as an outside linebacker rather than a defensive end. So is over four and a half actually possible? Because if it Parsons... seemed way too high, but now that you explained it that way, I guess then possibly. So you've got Parsons. Talk it through. Yeah. You've Parsons. got JOK. Um, now, could JOK could be drafted as a safety though? That's what In I mean. Theory, is he a linebacker? Yeah. Well, so you, you got to account for that. And it's going to mm-hmm. be based on the position the team drafting them gives. Like, oh you know, really yeah because you're gonna see that in the draft from time to time where like isaiah Wynn gets drafted by the patriots as an offensive tackle and most mocksters had him ranked as an offensive guard for example wow maybe defensive players is a better one i guess yeah. cornerbacks is a good one too defensive but just because players... i don't want to mess around with that Set at 13 and a half, which is very intriguing since we think it's such an offensive heavy draft. And I thought that was intriguing about McShay's mock. That's back-to-back defensive positions. Like with how free agency has gone, with how this team's been built under Fangio, this doesn't feel like a draft where you need to go heavy on defense. If anything, you want to really finally close those last couple holes on offense and get this i'm glad you brought that up because we didn't really get into that in the sense of it's not just that they took patrick sertan who's a great cornerback a very talented player and probably worthy of a top 10 pick depending on how this all falls out it's the fact that he had them taking sertan when sewell and slater were on the board and justin fields all three of them that's crazy and i love sertan but after you know you just brought in two all pro cornerbacks and that's that's where i'm at too since we're here like like i i you can justify it if the board falls terribly because fuller's on a one-year contract and it would suck to have your first round pick just sit on the bench but whatever um 
at the same time, though, with Sewell there, you don't do it. And to me, like at this point, Justin Fields is not my favorite quarterback. Trevor Lawrence is my favorite quarterback in this draft, but Justin Fields is really growing on me just because he's played somebody other than the teams that Zach Wilson and Trey Lance has played. And that's starting to come around to be like, you know, if he's there at nine, like Mac Jones at nine, eh, I'm not too fired up for the Broncos. Uh, Trey Lance at nine, eh, you know, eh, maybe I could get there, but Justin Fields at nine, I don't hate that either. So I really don't like certain when both of them on the board, I still don't think you go quarterback in this draft just because you're a year away from knowing whether drew lock is a quarterback or not, but uh, to not take Sewell there is just disappointing. Yeah. Um, and in general, I think the under 13 and a half is probably fairly safe. I do too. Well, like for defensive players, defensive players drafted. Yeah. Cause uh, well, if we have five QBs and two running backs, that's seven right there. The top three wide receivers are going. If you have Tony or anybody else, like that's already 12, 13 guys. And at that point, you need like two or three picks to go your way. And it's basically, mm -hmm. a I'd set wide receiver at five and a half. You didn't add a tight end. Yeah, Pitts is going. And you should have at least Three four tackles, offensive four linemen. Tackles. Yeah. I mean, like probably five on the safe side, right? Like the Seriously. top three, uh, Sewell, Slater, Darisaw, Vera Tucker. And I think you could like just assume there's a fifth one in there, whether like it's Tevin, or one of those other dudes. Yeah, yeah. Tevin Jenkins, someone like that, Cosme, Riddins. whatever. Yeah, so I think you can get there in there. Cornerback over three and a half is minus 177, so you're not getting much value. Mm -hmm. But if you just get the big three, you need one plus one. You're mm. looking at Kelvin Jones. The Joseph thing is, though, is outside of that top well. three, I don't know if it's going to happen. Like, it, it feels like it should be easier than it is. But I feel it's like a lot of those of, four, five, six corners are going to go early second round. Yeah, because yeah, like Asante it, Samuel isn't going to be first, is he? Right. It almost becomes a Greg Newsome or Bus type of deal, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know if I love betting on that. At Piper plus has one forty corner. At plus one forty, that might be nice value. And then yeah. under four and a half defensive linemen is really intriguing. This is another one where you got to count for edge rushers who will be listed as the ends. But edge rushers who will be listed at the end as DNs, I'm guessing Quiddy Pay. Yep. Russo. Russo. Jalen Phillips. Yeah. Not, yeah. Osai, maybe. Not Ojulari. I don't think Ojulari. Osai, for one, I, I'm not so sure he'll go in the first. He'd be very borderline. That would be entirely dependent on what team drafts him. And then I don't know a Carlos Basham, but I doubt it. Yeah, I think under four and a half. So Ogudenji, now Jalen Hayes, and we just said three pays a lock. Russo Phillips, I'm not Close sure they lock, both go. Especially one of them will. Like like to me. As, there are injury question marks with one and positional athleticism fits with the other, you know? I don't think Basham is a first-round defensive lineman. No. At the same time, if you were to say, would you rather have Carlos Basham on your team or Russo on your team? I'm at least, like, taking some time to think about it because the risk is just so big with Russo that even though he is six foot seven, all credit for being six foot seven and having that frame, you got to play some football, and, and, you know, I just don't know how he's going to do that. 
Yeah, and then you got to add Bear more to that. So I think you're looking at more of a three and a half, like pays a guarantee. Bearmore is essentially a guarantee in one of the two Miami guys. You have a pretty good shot. So three, three and a half is where this number should be at. Minus 112 under four and a half seems like really nice value. Yep. And going back to linebacker, again, depending on how you split it, I think the over has nice value because Jamin Davis, the way he tested, Zayvon Collins did enough to be taken in the first probably. Micah Parsons, depending on what happens with JOK, and then I just need one of these edge rushers like an Ojulari, an Osai, a Perkins to go in the first and be listed as an outside linebacker. Or even some value there. You know, Nick Bolton was what the – one of the early seconds in that mock we were yeah. going through, he could he could be on the other side of that line. Bolton, Jabril Cox, Pete Warner, who mm-hmm. we don't talk about nearly enough, but tested out of this world. Baron Browning, someone who could, you know, that there could be some wild surprise. Um, Let me ask you about this, Trey. Yeah. I think if, you, if you're trying to spread this out, like if you're trying to bet on multiple position groups, trying to go about this strategically, I think if you went over four and a half linebackers at plus 175 and under three and a half corners at plus 140 you're very likely to hit one of them because if you get over Mm -hmm. if you get the five linebackers you're probably not going to hit the corners or if you get the corners it's probably not going to be the linebackers so both of those are plus money i don't think you'll hit both but i think if you bet on both you're likely to at least split true yeah i agree i think so what we're saying is over four and a half linebackers under three and a half corners under four and a half defensive linemen Mm -hmm. and under 13 and a half defensive players what's what i'm playing what scares me though is that feels like at the end of the first all those teams that were in the playoffs are just saying like ah if we just had a linebacker if we just have one more corner and it feels like that always fills up you know i just pulled up last year's with like you know, Jeff Gladney, the corner at 31, Noah Igbenogeny, corner at 30, uh, Patrick Queen, linebacker, mm-hmm. 28, Jordan Brooks, just out of nowhere, linebacker at 27. You know, it does feel like those position groups, you can mm-hmm. get some weird things that happen at the end of the first, and, and those guys do move up a lot. And that's my one thing that's scaring yeah. me away. But, I mean, this hope year, they lean offense. Yeah, this oh. year you're hoping those same teams at the end of the first burn a pick on like, oh, we need an offensive tackle. Yeah, we need, pull the Chiefs and take a running back, you know, at 32. Right. Yep. Running back, we need, we're going to take advantage of one of these wide receivers. We're going to take a running back because we need that factor back who can be good in the receiving game. Or, or with all these props, the real advantage is they go safety. Because, uh, and that doesn't play into our defensive player prop, mm-hmm. but it certainly does in the other three positions. If a Javon Holland, if a Trevor Mooring go, then <laughs> you've just aided your, yep. you just eliminated cornerback linebacker. Yep. So, but no, you're right. I mean, and especially for the D line, I think that's something that scares me with the way this class is structured. I could see the end of the first be a lot of um, Levi Ozuriki. Gregory mm-hmm. Russo, maybe that's where Jalen Phillips, the value lines up. Maybe that's where a Joe Trian slips mm-hmm. in and is listed as a D end because he went to the, the wrong or right team. Maybe that's where a Carlos Basham gets pushed up because you'd rather get your, your D lineman now because after Basham, you don't like anyone and you feel like you can wait on corner linebacker, offensive tackle, what have you. Yep. So and- be interesting. 
in a class like this where it's lottery tickets, we've talked about it a lot. I've said I'll probably only have like 15, 16 real first round grades. The end of the first round is going to be supremely unpredictable. Yep. And again, especially because all those positions, they're all just backed up at the start of the second. Like that yeah. whole second round is these linebackers who we haven't sorted out. The, the cornerbacks who are so tough to sort out. I guess there's there's not quite as many. Elijah Molden kind of fell off on pro day. But but yeah, like there's just enough guys right there who could jump up that. Dude, I'm more intrigued by 20, gonna picks 20 through 40 than I am picks one through 20. Yeah. And to be honest, like I think real there's, weird. there's going to be a lot of value there. I mean, there's a lot of value with Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase. There's, there's more value at positions the Broncos could use yeah. there which makes it a lot of fun molden did hurt himself huh we didn't talk about that no we didn't yeah but, really poorly yeah it's that it's 40 time again he's that hybrid defender who i think fits well with vic fangio you can play him at safety you can play him at corner you can play zone you can play man but if you run a four six then you can kind of only play like the middle of the field and not the perimeter not deep none of that so could I still think- be a very good value pick i'm not scared off but I, i'm no longer thinking you know i didn't bring him up among guys i would have taken instead of uh tree on at 41 yesterday i would have right. or the day before the pro to day me, the most disappointing thing is him not doing the short shuttle or three cones so yeah. as a guy who's projecting as almost exclusively a slot not great uh Ozuriki we didn't mention but pretty pretty nice day from him um yep. in at 290 running a 485 29 reps pretty good jumps too um he, He's an intriguing dude. And then your guy, Dwayne Eskridge, ran really well. Four, three, six. I I thought he could run faster. If I'm being honest, I, I saw Dwayne Eskridge and I was like, the, the man is the, like, it seems like every year there's somebody who's saying like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in the four twos. Just be ready. I'm going to be in the four twos. And I felt like Dwayne Eskridge was one of the guys who could have been claiming that and then running like a four, three, two. So a very good, right? You're not, you don't complain about four, three, you want to know what that is? Oh. That's an honest 40. Small schools give you honest forties. True. Very true. A four, Warren three, Jackson, being an that honest had to 40. Be honest. <laughs> That's what I mean. It wasn't good. You know, you weren't lying about it. So. Nope. <laughs> what world are we living in where a four, three is an honest 40 now? Insane. <laughs> I had a blast, fellas. Uh, We're going to get into more of the nitty-gritty stuff next week, but this was a fun one. It feels like it's real draft season. Things are really heating up. Um, And as always, well, for a minute, it just seemed chalk. seemed like, man, there's just no value at nine. That eight and nine, you really start to lose value. Penny Sewell? All of a sudden, it's kind of fun. Give me Penny Sewell? Wacky yeah. draft stuff's happening, and we're making we're making Justin Fields to Denver a reality. Oh yeah! Um, all right, fellas, we'll catch you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Sit Jay on the. Moon.